Just like an actual toolbox, you need to have a variety of financial tools at your disposal so your retirement portfolio can handle any situation that comes your way. Scott Searles is a certified wealth strategist and the CEO of Skybox Asset Management. He can help you build a solid financial plan that will stand the test of time. This is the Retirement Toolbox Podcast. Another edition of the Retirement Toolbox, ready to roll. Walter Storholt here alongside Scott Searles, financial advisor at Skybox Asset Management. Scott, what's going on in your world this week? Walter, I love that. Ready to roll. Ready to roll. That was was smooth. I liked it. I need to just make a list of like a hundred different ways to intro the show. Ready to roll. It's time to go. Wake up. Good morning. Good afternoon. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) That's right. I mean, all these famous hosts, you know, they all have their little thing that they say. Little little catchphrase type thing. Yeah. Yeah. But everything's been going good. We go. I watch an interesting, well, I started watching an interesting show the other night, this great hack it's on netflix and it talks about that global analytica and all the data that they you know store about all of us you know every time they they claim they have five thousand points of data on every u.s voter every time you go online and you search something on google every time you use your credit card every time you like something on facebook all this stuff and what really caught my attention on the preview for it was there was a guy, he he said, okay, has anybody ever been talking about something and then saw an ad on their phone about what they were talking about? And you could have swore the microphone was on, on your phone or your Alexa or something. Constantly. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that happens all the time. It just happened to my wife and I the other night. And it's because they've got so much data on you that you know that their analytics are working. They can't hear you, but it's just that they know what your behaviors are. That's scary. It's insane. I don't like it. (laughs) I know. And then plus our kids, you know, I've got my 10 year olds always on there watching YouTube. Oh, they're going to have a billion data points on them. (laughs) They will. I don't even like to use a lot of the social media stuff. I try to use it as minimally as possible, but you you just go once and it seems like they've, they've got you, you know? Yeah, I'm on there. I don't ever post anything. You know, that Facebook, I always would tell my wife and, and that, you know, people only put the good stuff happening in their life right, on there, yeah. right? You, it's you not don't an hear about representation the, of life. Kid went to, yeah, their kid went to jail for stealing a car. They don't put that on Facebook. <laughs> uh, very true. Yes, you don't typically see that posted. Well, the worst one I saw, uh, not the worst one, but I just happened to see one the other day. This person put up there is a friend of my wife's and said, uh, she's on Facebook. I'm not, but she was showing me the post and it was the picture of their daughter going so-and-so whatever their daughter's name was can't remember so-and-so pooped and peed today three times and they did this and we were so proud because at dinner today when we were out at a restaurant they went potty and did this and blah 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 and then they went over and did this potty over here and didn't poop in the diaper and it was just like seven seven paragraphs about the pooping adventures of this two-year-old or three-year-old or whatever. And I was just like, well, what is this? Like, what kind of content is this for somebody to consume? This is ridiculous. Walter, I, I do all that same stuff every day, and I don't have to put it on Facebook. Yeah, exactly. Like, what, makes, what makes this such a special event to document for the rest of us? I don't know. I'm getting, I'm getting into my old curmudgeon mode, I guess, but... 
I don't oh, know. I hear you. I find that we definitely are a generation of oversharing right now, and not just millennials. I think you know anybody who just kind of gets into the social media world. It's just we're all oversharing too much, and it sounds like from a data perspective that just makes them hungrier and hungrier for more. Well, yeah, it's just like people they go on vacation and they're like shooting all their photos on vacation and posting them on real time on all the social media. It's like. Well, I think the criminals know exactly whose house to go to tonight. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Now, see, that's actually good stuff to post. You know, that's fun. See people's vacations and what they're up to and some of that stuff. You know, I'm, I'm okay with that. But it is kind of funny when they're just very easily announcing to the world, hey, I'm gone on vacation, that sort of thing. We used to always have yeah, to be real careful about that when I worked in uh, radio for many years when someone would go on vacation. You know, it wasn't on vacation. They're on assignment. I'm filling in for so-and-so who's on assignment today. And that was code for their on vacation, obviously not here in the studio. But we didn't want to be like, hey, the morning show host that you love, you can look up in the phone book, he's gone for three weeks, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So anyway, so I, there's not a moral to this story, it doesn't sound like. Pretty much, no matter how much we're sharing personally, it sounds like they're still collecting tons of data points on us. It's that big brother thing. They know they know what I have for lunch because they know where I swipe my card. Yeah, yeah. They're flagging our podcast as we speak right now, Scott. We're peeling back the layers too much here. So you can expect a letter in a couple of days about... Mm-hmm. You know, or maybe well, we'll if they listen ads. to this podcast, they certainly know a lot about me already. That's so. right. That's right. We're going to have to stop doing the getting to know you segments. <laughs> That's right. We're just revealing more and more about you. Fantastic. Well, we're going to get into a getting to know you question a little bit later on today. We'll tease you about that a little bit later on. Tom's got a good question for us uh, later at the end of the show today. Tom writing into the program has something on his mind uh, related to returns on investments. We're going to talk about that. And uh, we're going to start things off today, though, talking a little bit about the blame game. Is playing the blame game holding you back financially? And Scott, this conversation comes up as we start thinking about getting into financial trouble. Now, we don't necessarily mean like, oh, I'm going bankrupt financial trouble. We're talking about just things that aren't going quite right in your life from a financial perspective or the things that will nudge us off track. Things like maybe a divorce messing up our finances or maybe if you think the system is rigged against the little guy, maybe you're blaming the system for something that happened to you in the past or a broker. Maybe it's a particular person you think did you wrong. And so on today's show, we want to take a look at some of the common things that people will blame for financial troubles. And again, we're not talking about bankruptcy here in terms of financial troubles like you might think about it, just things where you get pushed off track. See if you identify with these and also let's analyze, Scott, are people pointing their fingers in the right direction with these issues? So I mentioned the the one there to start with, let's talk about divorce. I think a lot of people who go through a divorce will point to that event for being something that really messes them up financially. Has that been your experience when you've met with folks? Definitely. I I have ran across that a lot in my 20-something years of doing this. But, you know, all of these, we're we're talking about divorce now, but really all of these blame game strategies that people use, there's underlying reasons. And a lot of it is maybe procrastination or there's uncertainty or they're scared. You know, they're almost excuses, you know, in, in most cases, because Part of my job is being a financial advisor is to kind of go through those weeds a little bit and kind of get to the root of what the issues are. You know, this first one, divorce, we can see that. I mean, that is, is truly a numbers game. A lot of times people get divorced. They're splitting up all their assets. There might have been a lot of bad blood there. And, you know, not every divorce is amicable. So when we're talking about that, there definitely is some going backwards as far as with your financial planning. But 
you know, when, when I, I meet with people in that situation, it, it's almost like we have to kind of start a new day. Maybe we have to create a budget and we start saving again, or, or you know, there's never going to be a better time than the present to kind of start heading in that right direction and get back on track so you can meet your goals for retirement. And you know, divorce is definitely difficult for everybody that goes through that. But you know, if you can get yourself a strategy, get a plan and start heading in the right direction again, it's eventually going to work out for you financially. Yeah, that's a great point. Good an analysis of uh, divorce situations. I'm sure we could do an entire podcast, obviously, just talking about divorce and the complications mm-hmm. that come along with it. And we probably will sometime down in the near future talk about that uh, a little bit more in depth, but certainly mm-hmm. covers it for now in terms of that blame game. And that's a tough emotional time in addition to one that has major financial implications as well. Sometimes we have financial issues that come up that don't evoke the emotion side other times they're linked, and this is certainly one of those examples. Uh, we also mm-hmm. will hear from time to time, Scott, people kind of point the finger at a particular person, like, hey, my old broker did me wrong. You know, my past financial advisor really messed me up, or they, they put me in the wrong direction. Maybe it was the a bad financial product or bad advice or something like that that they got. How common are you finding people have that kind of complaint? You know, tell you a little story. I had a client of mine that she had come to me after she was working with a unknown, unnamed broker at an unnamed investment firm, and it didn't go well. He didn't really do a lot of planning. He was a broker, not a fiduciary, so there was a lot of turnover in the account. Then 2007, 2008 hit, and literally her portfolio went from about 800000 to a little over 400000 So that's a huge loss for her. I mean, coming up on 50%. And she had stayed with him for a little while afterwards. And then she ran into me and she was very, I mean, she was you know, rightfully so very bitter, very skeptical of, of working with not just me, but anybody else, right? Because, you know, this old broker, he, you know, he, he messed me up. He had me in all the wrong spots, looking at how much money I, you know, lost. So part of my job then is to kind of repair some of that damage and, and do a little bit more of a teaching and getting back to basics and kind of saying, you know what, I understand now we have to get you back to where you need to be and walk her through the planning process, getting everything, her risk assessment set up properly, you know, looking at, at all the different aspects of planning. And eventually we got her back on board, back heading in the right direction. And then we got, you know, we eventually did meet, get her to her retirement goal. And she's now retired and everything is, you know, just hunky dory with her. And, you know, that's just a bad memory from the past. But unfortunately, you know, some people stop doing everything because of a bad experience. It's not just with brokers. I mean, people do that in life all the time. They have a bad experience. You know, I'm not going to buy XYZ cars because the last one I had blew up. That doesn't necessarily mean the next one's going to. And there's sometimes you just got to get over that and work with the right person that truly cares about you. And then you're going to be in good shape. I like that example of the uh, the car. It's a good comparison. Sometimes, however, the uh, the blame game doesn't go to just one person in particular. It's more of a system complaint. People will think that the system is rigged. Wall Street is, you know, they always win. Never the little guy. It's like going to the casino. You know, I'm I'm always they're always going to get theirs. It's really hard. The odds are stacked against me. You know, a lot of those types of complaints and and that type of verbiage, I think it's uh, spit out by a lot of folks. Do you find that people have that sort of defeated? mentality against the system? 
Yeah, occasionally I run across that, and and I know sometimes it seems like that system's rigged against the little guy, especially if you start watching these CNBC shows and everything, because they start talking about all these big things going on, and you know they focus on the big losers and the big gains. But you know the reality is, is we probably have the most efficient and regulated securities markets in the world. There's no doubt that we do, and markets are driven by news. So, you know, one day it comes out and saying tariff talks are going good, market goes up. Next day, you know, the market goes down because tariff talks aren't going good. So the biggest factor is that we know that for the majority of investors over the long term, you're going to have 30 something years in retirement. You know, while you're accumulating, saving your money, you need to get growth. And the stock market is still the best option we have to get long-term growth. But the key there is long-term. So you can't necessarily worry about, history tells us that we invest for the longer term in equities and stocks that when we have time on our side, those returns are going to be there and it is going to work out for you. I know it seems, you know, with a lot of volatility and all this stuff, you know, we had those uh, big, I can't remember, what was that the big company movement there where the big banks and, and all that stuff and was out to get everybody, you know, but the reality is if we put time in the market, we invest it properly with the right risk level that's comfortable for you and with your goals, it will eventually work out. Good breakdown, Scott. And there's one more point I want to get to here as we talk about blame game, where we blame things typically uh, in the financial world. And some will look actually at the, uh, you know, kind of their own personal circumstances and say things like uh, the kids we find is a common one. You know, my kids have had trouble finding good jobs since they finished school. So I've been helping them for years and continue to do so, kind of keeping those kids on the payroll, a lot of people will then say, well, that's why I haven't saved for retirement. That's why I'm having trouble with you know XYZ retirement plan. Well, I know my kids are still in college. I hope when they got, get out, they certainly find good jobs. So I understand if my kids got out of school and, and they weren't able to you know, find a good job, I would help them out too. There's a lot of clients that are helping their adult children, and there's nothing wrong with that. But at some point, you got to kind of pull that plug or, or weed them off or, or kind of get them in a better situation because you can't sacrifice your retirement to help them out. So a lot of the times with some of my clients, we'll have conversations where we say, you know, I know you want to help help them out and that's fine. You know, granted, there are situations where the clients have got excess money. It's not going to affect their retirement. It's not going to affect anything. And they want to give them $10,000 because they're buying a house. You know, that's different than, you know, helping supporting them on a monthly basis. You know, at some point you kind of have to draw the line and make sure that you're funding your own retirement because you don't want to be that person that's 75 years old and still working because you didn't save enough money for retirement. A great point, Scott. Any other examples you've seen where people, right or wrong, tend to blame others or outside forces for their planning problems and, and what can be done about all these different issues? Well, you know, one thing and kind of thinking more of along the lines of like an excuse is that people don't want to make any changes because the market's too high right now. So they, they don't want to, you know, switch into a different portfolio or get things changed around because the market's high, everything's going good. I, I don't want to mess with it right now. Well, the ironic thing is, is that when the market goes down, you know, they don't want to do anything because the market's too low. They're going to hold on and wait till it comes back up. So there's never a great time to, you know, when you're thinking like that, to start implementing a new process or, or getting a new portfolio in place. You know, we just need to be smart and kind of lay out, make sure we're not creating any tax liabilities. And, you know, I, I had a client that 
came, uh, well, it was you know, a new client that came in not too long ago. And he says, you know, everything, I love what you're talking about. I love these strategies. I know they're going to get me to where, where I want to go, but man, everything's up so high right now. I don't want to mess with it. So, you know, we had a conversation and uh, eventually he came around and we started implementing a plan that's going to work really well for him, better than his old plan was. If you want to get that kind of help and assistance with your own financial plan, Scott Searles is definitely there for you. We talk about some high-level generic things here on the podcast, obviously. We get as specific as you can, but nothing works as well as getting a customized review of your financial situation because we're all different. We all have unique needs, goals, and wants when it comes to retirement and our financial lives, and that's why it's good to get customized guidance. You can get that with Scott and schedule a time to meet by calling 888-742-0111. Scott's got locations in the greater Cleveland area and in Bradenton, Florida. 888 888- 742-0111 is your number to call. Or you can go online to talktoscott.com. That's talktoscott.com. And you can schedule a time to meet with them right there from your smartphone or computer. Talktoscott.com, the place to go to schedule that free consultation as well. You can also pick up a tax-free retirement toolkit at the website and get great information about uh, how to plan for taxes in retirement, the kind of advantages that are available to you. Uh, with just a little bit of extra planning and working with Scott, you can lead a tax free retirement lifestyle. Scott's got lots of details about that in this physical toolkit that's available to listeners of the podcast. Just look for the tax-free retirement toolkit link in the description of today's show, and you can order that for free. It's getting to know you time. Time to get to know Scott a little bit better on today's show, and I've got a fun question for you this week. Scott, if you could be present for one event in history, what would it be? Well, that is, boy, that's an interesting question. You know, I think I'd have to go lean a little bit on my religious side, and I would say to be there for the birth of Jesus. That would actually be super cool. You know, to be able to see there and, you know, with all the wise men and all that stuff, I think that would be amazing. Now, as long as I could come back, because I don't want to like, <laughs> live during those times, right? I I mean, I would like to be there and witness it and then come home. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really don't want to. I think that's at the premise of the about. question. Yes. You're just, you're dipping in for a few moments to be present for the event and then you're back to normal life. Yeah. It's, it's, it's more like it, time it, travel, not so much like you've now got to live there forever. Yeah, that's exactly right. I would not want to live during those times. But to be there, see the birth of Jesus would be amazing. And you know, another thing too is the moon landing. I was not born during the uh, the moon landing, but yeah, I think that'd be something else that would be really neat. I do sometimes wish I grew up in the world of breaking news television when it captivated the entire world. Like there was that period of probably, what, 20 or 30 years where you just had these events that would happen where it felt like the entire world was watching. And we still have those kinds of events that happen in life, obviously, but it, it, everything's very spread out now. Some people get information online, some are on social media watching events unfold, Things trickle, information trickles out a little bit differently. There's not that same unified everybody's watching either CBS, ABC, or NBC right now, and you've got your anchor that you turn to, and you watch that event unfold. I don't know. I think of the moon landing obviously being one of the huge things. I think of all the, mm-hmm. and it's a negative event, but the challenge 
Challenger explosion. I guess spaceflight kind of uh, takes place in a lot of these things. But, you know, um, JFK assassination and just the breaking news and the whole world is captivated by those kinds of events. I just it'd be really interesting to now transport to that time. And I think 9-11 is probably the only thing I think was maybe the last type of event that really captured our attention in that way before social media really started to you know become bigger in the years after that. Well, you know, it's one of those things like, you know, with those big events, you always remember where you were. Yeah. So you remember where you were with 9-11 and, you know, where you were watching the moon landing and where you were when Reagan got shot or JFK got assassinated or Martin Luther King got killed. You know, so those are things where people say, I, I remember it because I knew exactly where I was. So that's that big, you know, event in history thing. Yeah, I would say the moon landing would be a big one. I don't mean it has to even be on the moon, just to be part of the collective watching that. And because it's a more of a positive thing, a lot of the things that captivate us are the ne- are very negative items. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas the uh, the moon landing was certainly a very positive one across the world. So mm-hmm. that'd be interesting. I-, I would put my vote into that box, too. I think that's an interesting one. Well, there you go. That's getting to know Scott Searles a little bit better. And now it's time to answer one of your questions. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. Time to answer uh, one of your questions as we wrap up today's show. And this one comes to us from Tom in Venice, Florida. So we're getting a little warm on this question here. Tom says, it's a short and simple question for you. What kind of annual return should I be seeking on investments in retirement? Hmm, Tom, that is a very interesting point. If you were sitting here in my office right now, I would answer you back with a question. How much do you need? Because that's truly, you know, the most important factor is you know you only necessarily need to invest and take the enough risk for what you need to be able to accomplish your goals. So if you have done a financial plan, you've gotten it all laid out, you know exactly what annual return you're going to need to get in retirement. So it sounds to me, Tom, that you need to kind of back up do that financial plan. And then that is going to give you that answer. You're going to take into account how much income you have, what your risk tolerance are, your life expectancy, how much social security you're going to get. Are you married? Aren't you married? You know, there's 800 different factors that go in there to all determine how much that you need to earn in retirement. Then, you know, maybe you need 3%. Well, you invest a lot differently than someone that needs 8%. So Tom, I'd love to help you out, but you know, I, I think you have to ask yourself how much you truly need. And you got to kind of back up and lay that foundation before we even get to that point. Yeah, it's almost kind of that uh, example of focusing on the wrong thing. Exactly. Exactly. It's not how much that you want that you earn. It's how much do you need to earn. Rather than the return. What's the famous quote? Uh, more focused on the return of my money than the return on my money at that stage of life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Great question, Tom. Thank you for submitting that one to us as well. If you've got a question for Scott and you want to submit it to the show, go to skyboxasset.com. That's where you can get the tax-free retirement toolkit and listen to past episodes of the show and find all the subscribe buttons for the major apps that are out there in the podcast world. Skyboxasset.com, again, your place to go. You can also schedule a free consultation with Scott by calling 888-742-0111. You can ask not only one question, but multiple questions and get into your specific situation by doing that. 888-742-0111 or online at talktoscott.com, the place to go. That's talktoscott.com. Scott, appreciate all the help on today's show. Enjoyed it. And uh, we'll look forward to another great talk next time. It's a pleasure always, Walter. Go Tribe. A lot of fun. Thanks, Scott. That's uh, Scott Searles. I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for taking some time out to join us this week. Be sure to join us for the next podcast right back here on the Retirement Toolbox. 
Investment advisory services provided by Skybox Asset Management, LLC.